on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. You have to fall flat on your face to realize what it's like to fall flat on your face. So then you realize, okay, you know what? Rock bottom, right? It's, 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 it's a really good place to build from because there's only one, one direction you can go from there is up. And so you think about, okay, I didn't apply myself before. Now I'm going to apply myself. What you got? To In The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of In The Rack Podcast. I am your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. Nick and I are super excited about this episode. We have another amazing guest speaker on the show. This guy probably doesn't need too much introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyways. His name is Matt Ibrahim. Did I say that correctly, Matt? Is Perfect. That, ah, yes. Perfect. All right. One of one. Yes. Matt is a strength and conditioning coach. You've been a strength and conditioning coach since, what, 2007? Yeah. Dude, that was the same year I got my CSCS. We can be old together. This it's so cool. <laughs> yes. Orange means I'm getting old. I, I know. know. Okay, we're not getting old. We're no, just we get younger. Yes. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have some stuff in common. That's cool. Uh, so we actually, the story behind that is actually we met Matt a couple years ago, and this was all because of Nick, because we were kind of planning out the new build of our facility at the time, which we're actually sitting in right now, which is kind of cool. And, you know, we wanted to pick Matt's brain about how we can start integrating strength and conditioning into our facility, but also look and see how his facility flows because they were just crushing it at the time and uh, we wanted to see how we could get on their level. So, you know, Nick hit up Matt and we went down there and that was how we first met and it was love at first sight. So I, I remember the email. It was about the steel mace. The steel the mace. First time I right. you he slid there. into my DMs about steel maces and I said, okay, like I can roll with this because we had just got one yeah. and we were playing around with it and he was really intrigued about oh, it. Oh, yeah. I remember it was a Monday night you guys came and yeah. – um, I think I was the only one on that shift or coaching with an intern, and it was busy, which is, yeah, wasn't usually the case. And you guys stayed in We had a blast. It was fun. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. I, I remember I was just mesmerized by the big-ass fan that was on the ceiling. Oh, big-ass fan. And you literally. guys had two of them. And oh, I was yeah. like, dude, so now we're just sitting under that same exact fan that you had. I When I called the company, they're like, no, I can definitely get you a better model. I was like, dude, that's not the model I want. Big-ass fan. Yeah. Highly effective. <laughs> totally. It's it does its job. <laughs> it's so good. So we, we are excited to have Matt on the show today. Matt has written a bunch of articles for like Men's Health. Uh, T Nation, which I love. I, I read T Nation all the time. I think, Nick, Nick you read T Nation oh, yeah, all the time for too, sure. right? Yep. Um, he's very active with the NSCA, Perform Better, True Coach, which we also love. We do True Coach all the time. Um, but above all, Matt does a lot of public speaking national, through nationally recognized conferences, right? Do you, have you done them through the NSCA as well? Or? Yep. Yeah, yep, cool. yeah, so he's done a lot of public speaking. We actually had him up at our workshop just this summer to do um, a talk with uh, it was probably about 15 PTs there. Had to yeah, be. That was, that was a good amount. Yeah, for sure. And we were talking about strategies for deceleration training for our athletes and clients and patients. Um, so, you know, we've got a pretty good history with Matt and we, we love, we love having him up here. So Matt, what, you know, give us a little breakdown as, as to who you are, who is the Matt Ibrahim? Well, Chad, Nick, thank you for having me. I also want to thank uh, behind the scenes, Taylor, Carissa, Katie, right. They helped to round out the pro form physical sure. therapy, right? So, um, I think for me at this point in my career, the simple way that I look at things is I'm just a coach. And I don't say I don't say just as well, I'm just a coach. I'm a coach in everything that I do, meaning, you know, you look at the word coach. Coaching is teaching, it's educating, it's instructing, it's helping, it's guiding, it's helping you get from point A to point B, whether whatever the goal may be. You wanna you know, squat 300 plus pounds, you want to broad jump, you know, 100 plus inches, you want to lift up, uh, you know, your young child or grandchild off the floor with on your back, you want to, you know, ace your exercise science exam, whatever it may be, I'm a coach. And so that has allowed me to, whichever hat I wear throughout the day, because now my stage of my career, I feel like I'm a nomad, right? I'm always kind of traveling to a place, doing a thing, changing course, doing another thing. So I'm coaching in all of these elements. Um, it's important, though, when I get home, you know, for the, for the evening, for dinner and, and television and Netflix with my wife to shut off the coach hat and turn on the husband hat now and just 
relax and just enjoy. And so for me, I'm a coach. And so um, I'm fortunate that I have the you know, opportunity and I look at it as an opportunity to do all these really cool, fun things and interact with cool, fun people. But um, I don't take any of that for granted. I know that I'm very lucky to have these opportunities to coach, to educate, to teach and to guide. So nice. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. And with that coaching hat, you've gotten into the teaching side more, right? You're, you're now teaching at Endicott, correct? Mm-hmm. So tell us how you, how you got into that, the, the teaching in the, at the college level and then how you're, you're doing with that, how you're enjoying it, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So my, I'll take a step back to show you, show you at least how I think I got there. So my father, who owns a, a hair salon in Lexington, Mass, and does a lot of um, other stuff on the side with real estate and business, is he's very business oriented. And I, I remember, um, you know, growing up, there's you know the life lessons. You know, he, he had three boys. I'm the middle child, right? So life lessons. Okay, here's what to do. Here's how to be. Here's how to. I'll never forget. He had said to me at one point, you know, if I want you to be my friend, I will make you my friend very aggressive, right? I understand that part, mm-hmm. but you know, he, he's very direct. And I took from that, I think I was maybe 11, 12, 13 years old, and I had no clue what it was in context with, but that always stuck with me. And so for me is, you know, I put my authentic, organic best self first, and that's, that's just who I am and in all facets. And we were talking about this before the show, that's just, you know, what you see is what you get. And I think people have to be that way. But beyond that is, if there is something that I think that I can help you with, whether it's I help you with and that's the end of, end of it, or you can help me and I, and I can reciprocate, I'm going to make sure that I put my best foot forward in a very professional way to, to do that. And so with the teaching role, so I'm I, fortunate that um, uh, Victor Kaiser, program director at Maryville University, within the exercise science program, uh, brought me on as an adjunct professor in addition to uh, Dr. Kevin Rooney and Dean Swanton at Endicott College as an adjunct professor in the exercise science program. Both scenarios were kind of in that light of, you know, if I want you to be my friend, I will make you my friend. If, if I want to work for you and I think what you're doing is great, I will put myself in a position where, you know, you can't ignore me. And that's just my mentality. Not that I'm better than someone else or it's because it's me versus me, right? You and the, you look in the mirror, what can you bring to the table? How can you become an asset, a, a, a value add? So with Maryville, it was, you know, constantly reaching out to Dr. Kaiser saying, hey, I'd love to provide a guest lecture, another guest lecture. And I think at one point he just said, you know what, screw it, like, let's just do it. <laughs> and so I think after I did that, because, you know, I think you have to have conviction in, your, in yourself and in, in what your skill set is. If you believe you can do something, you better better do it. So I knew that if you just listen to me speak and educate the kids, that I know I'd win them over. I just have that feeling, you know, you, you have to believe in yourself, right? So it went, it, it went well and then ended up, he brought me on to teach um, a class called Performance Coaching Strategies for Today's Athlete, which is directly based on Brett Bartholomew's book, Conscious Coaching. So it's it's actually Brett's book. Um, and Brett's a great guy. You know, the course is so valuable for young students in exercise science, learning communication, language, and buying and trust. I mean, these are things that the soft skills approach it. So I teach that uh, in, along with um, several other courses like introduc- introduction classes and uh, Lee Taft's course we just built up and developed. So not only do I teach from Maryville, I'm fortunate that they allow me to develop courses with you know people like Lee Taft or people in the field. And um, we just put together a virtual health and fitness class, which is based on I think the past couple of years, the pandemic and yeah. online fitness. It's kind of cool. So sure. I'm very fortunate to have those opportunities. With Endicott College, um, I was the internship coordinator at the previous gym that I co-owned and was working at that you guys had visited. Yeah, sure. And with that, you have to interact with a lot of schools, directors, internship coordinators. And Dr. Rooney was one who I was always interacting with. Someone that worked for us years ago, you know, parking on the side administratively, she was also in the sport management program there. And she said, hey, you need to bring him in to do some guest lectures. And so I, I came in, I did some guest lectures, and then it was one of those things where, hey, I'd really like to teach. I'm getting my Ph.D., it kind of just went hand in hand. So, again, thank you to those people. They've given me the opportunity, and um, I'm trying to bullishly work my way into a full-time academic role. But I think the beauty of it is if anything is easy in life, it probably shouldn't – you shouldn't be doing it, right? It should be some sort of a challenge. It should be some sort of a hurdle or, hey, I took a step forward and it didn't work out. Okay, let me, let me take a step laterally and see if that works instead or what – what can I do better? How can I better um, round up my skill set so that I can be more of an academic, you know, professor or teacher? And so, um, I'm at those schools now doing those. Uh, Maryville is is based in St. Louis, Missouri. So that one's all remote online. Sure. But then Endicott is um, in person. And then I'm also coaching actively uh, clients in their homes now. So clients and athletes, I'll work with them in their homes. 
um, in the North Shore area of Marblehead, Swampscott, Beverly, Salem. And, and, and that is a case of just, you know, relationships, right? Winning yeah. people over like, hey, here's the value I can add to your life. Here's how I can be an asset to what you're trying to do. And just kind of knowing your position in your spot and knowing that it's about them and it's not about you. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's great that you're not only teaching it, but you're also doing it. And, you know, that was always great when I was in college to talk with those professors that actually had like real life experience because it makes more sense and you can definitely give more application to what you're teaching, which is pretty sweet. That's my biggest hang up for myself. You know, I, I, again, my competition is myself. That's how I view things, right? Like, look, okay, how can you become better to better serve, right? The, the, the service mindset, right? You you know, uh, there's a saying, I'm going to butcher it. Um, one of the, one of the most history, uh, college basketball coaches, if you should probably know his name (laughs) because he played college basketball, but he said, you know, make sure at the end of each day, your servant's towel is filled, right? You've utilized that servant's towel, right? You're serving. It's probably a John Wooden quote. It's a John Wooden quote. Yep. Thank you. That's perfect. Thank you. That's a great save right there. That was awesome. (laughs) Um, you know, use that servant's towel, right? And so for me, it's like, well, if I'm going to teach you about how to deadlift, I should probably be deadlifting to some extent in my life, currently in coaching athletes that are deadlifting. Because if I'm just teaching you based off the textbook, the standards that I held, I held myself to, I'm not helping. I'm not doing this justice for you. I'm, I'm failing you. And this is me. I'm not talking to any other professors. It's just yeah, me and myself. Sure. So uh, this is this is, this is is how I'm viewing it. So I thank you for that. It's perfect. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that though, because we actually talked about that, uh, Chad and I, on a podcast a, a while back about how we wanted to have some level of in the trenches experience for a lot of our patients. And a couple of years ago, I went to Chad and I was like, man, we see a lot of runners. Neither of us run. We should probably pick this up. And he was like, that's all you, man. So I picked picked up running recreationally. Very, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. very few miles. But like, I just wanted to have the in the trenches experience of, okay, yeah, no, you, you're talking about your knee was aching at this point. Oh, no, I felt that before. Let's let's troubleshoot it now together. So it is it is cool that you mentioned that because it is, it's a huge piece of, of, you know, how we do things here too as well. Yeah, trying to be able to empathize with our patients and clients as much as possible. I mean, I just joined a CrossFit gym, which is totally yeah, exactly. outside of my comfort An- another zone. Another example. Another totally example. outside yeah. of my comfort zone. So um, I'm still getting the hang of it over there, but I can totally see why, you know, some of that stuff can be aggravating, you know, and I can I can relate a lot better to my patients and clients now that I do CrossFit, which that, is awesome. That's the biggest thing yeah. you said, like relatability. So Luca, Luca Huckover, or Hussover, I always, yeah, I always I want to make sure I'm yeah, saying yeah, it yeah. properly, but he talks about, and I think it's a couple of years back, he mentioned this to me, like feel, felt, found. So to relate, right? So yes, I totally feel what you're talking about with my knee as well, because I'm running too and I get it. And, you know, and I felt that as well in in my past, maybe not the same extent as you did, but I definitely felt it as well. But what I have found is if I work on X, Y, or Z, we can get there to get like that Mm, type of, you know, build someone up, right? That type of thing. And so building uh, self-efficacy, you know, um, what you just talked about as well, where, you know, let them feel confident about themselves. And like they're not alone. They're not alone. You know? Yeah, I because was stretching a patient this morning, yeah. and uh, his hip popped, and he was, "Oh man, my hip!" And I was like, "Yeah, it's okay, man. It's all right. That's a good sign. That means we're getting some movement here. This is good, right?" So I stretched his other side. And my shoulder popped, <laughs> and he goes, "Was that me?" I said, "No, it was me, man." I said, "But we're in the same boat. It's all good." <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah, like power numbers. We're in this totally. together. And if yeah. you think about fitness, performance, health, training, right? It should be a community, a cultural thing, like physical culture. We're doing this together versus no, it's just me. So it's yeah. it's a mentality, and I think that's something that people really they're drawn, they attract to. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I would say that was a big thing when I when I first reached out to you a couple of years ago about the steel mace. It was really cool that you you know if, if you look at things from an Instagram standpoint, I had just started Instagram like months prior, so and essentially I was you know didn't really have any followers, nothing like that. You easily could have looked in your direct messages and be like, who is this? And just like deleted it. But you were, you know, kind enough to respond and more so than respond, you engaged right away and, and you know, made me feel that way, which is, is an awesome gift that you have. So for you to be now providing that to the next you know, the, the next generation of, of college students is, is pretty cool, man. It's yeah, that was sweet. the days of, yeah. like, you know, Instagram. That was like, yeah, I didn't fresh. have one. Yeah, I was. You were, you were like, yeah, I was no, I'm upset. I have Facebook. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're missing the boat. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun, so here's what I'll say. It's a fun world, right? But 
it's a blessing and a curse. It it's, is. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I'm at the point where I'm at just in life, right? Where, yeah, it's important, you know, for my brand, for what I'm trying to do, for, you know, service I provide. But at the end of the day, like, you got to enjoy life too. Screen time, sure. put it down. And, yeah, and, sure. and to backtrack to the initial thing you said about, you know, could have not looked at it versus did, followers are monopoly money. Yeah. Right, it's just yeah, you know. For sure. So it's for like sure. if you're a good human being, absolutely, I should be able to tell in person or through a screen. Absolutely. And that to me is like you know that's just that's just how I was raised. You know, my parents who did a great job, you know, my, my family and whatnot. So it's you know just just show kindness, put good into the world, and and the hope is that it comes back. But don't you know don't count on it, right? You don't want to, <laughs> but just yeah. put good into the world, positive energy, positive vibe, and just I think that's just kind of the way I am. And I and and, and if you kind of flip that even more. If I had not been helped by the many, many, many people in the in the field, you know that that has made me want even more so to pay it forward. Because you know, if you, if you help me, you've helped me. Like I want to help you pay it forward and give back because we're in this together. It's again the whole community culture team thing. It's like, you know, you can relate anything to sports, and then you can tie in food if you want to as well. That's just a side piece, but. You know, it's a team. You're one player on a on a team, right? The whole Kobe Bryant thing, where Shaq was like, "Hey, there's no I in team. Well, there's a me." Like yeah. that's Kobe mentality, and I and I and I love that. But you know, a team. Culture, we need those people too. You know, we need those yeah. people too at times. You know, for the end of game buckets. Yeah. But it's it's got to be us. It's got to be us. You know. So yeah, we, yeah, a thousand percent. We we were just talking about that in the last podcast that we had with Jackson Fry because. You know, he's um, a huge strength and, strength and conditioning coach out in Chicago. And just being able to have those connections like yourself, you know, and being able to bounce off ideas and just kind of working together as a team is so important. And we kind of have to get over this whole, like, ego trip where I'm better than you and you're better than me. and Because it's we're all on the same team, man. And we all so have to true. play on the same. We have to play, so we're, probably, we're all playing the same game, man. Like, we're yeah. all trying to help these patients or clients the same way. So we're doing our patient or client a disservice when we're trying to, trying to provide a service that we just either aren't optimal for and we need to know when we need to refer out to like say matt and dude matt crushes it during this I, this is not my this is not my wheelhouse you and know vice versa and vice versa yep yep and then the other thing we we're talking about with that was people constantly um oh they did something that i don't or this person that i've liked before did something that i don't like now i don't like them it's like how did that how did that how did we get there you know it's like, yeah that's like, such a it's big a thing right now it's crazy that's social media for you crazy yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, man. So you kind of touched upon some of the things about giving back to the people that helped you. And I know I, I've heard other podcasts that you've been on that you've talked about your past, you know, how you easily could have kind of quit and, and went else a different route. So why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about that? You can give the abbreviated version if you want. You sure. can go deep into it, whatever yeah, you yeah. want. Get your popcorn. This is going to take a little bit. <laughs> so I think like, I mean, you know, with education, which was is what really, you know, made me want to go back in education to get the degrees and and then to teach is because I didn't do well and so, um, thirteen failed classes by academic standards like C minus or less and that that was more based on me you know, lack of effort, didn't care, didn't apply myself, right? No application, no thought process. Kind of like yeah, I want to go lift weights. Uh, got put on academic probation, six years, 132 credits, an average program, 120 credits. Spent way too long there. <laughs> <laughs> so the last semester academic probation, they finally let me back and like just finish the program and like basically like just do your thing and get, and get, out. get away. Yeah. Um, I did that, but then they brought me back to speak every year, every semester for their introduction class, which I thought was interesting and, and I was very uh, grateful for. It. And that was that's that's what kind of kicked off the speaking. And I said, wait a second, I really enjoy this. Yeah. And I didn't have to, I didn't put a presentation. I just I just spoke from here, and they seemed to enjoy it. And so they bring me back and they brought me back to talk about that and the failures. And I think and, you got, and I think this is obvious, but I think that most people maybe they're afraid, they're timid, they're like, I'm not so sure. You have to fall flat on your face to realize what it's like to fall flat on your face so then you realize okay you know what rock bottom right it's 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 a really good place to build from because there's really no one, one direction you can go from there's up and so you think about okay i didn't apply myself before and i'm gonna apply myself i didn't do this before now i'm gonna do this and so you realize what you have to do to get to where you want to get to and so for me it was how do i get in a position where i can teach educate and speak and coach people and, you know, I, I was fortunate enough that I had people around me that would, you know, allow me to do that. And then, then you get to the point where, all right, great. I'm helping, let's say, 10 clients, 10 athletes a day. I'm training people, whether eight or 10 people or groups or whatever it may be. Okay, how do I 
help more than that a number of people. Okay, remember there's social media, the different outlets online. Okay, great. Articles, podcasts, writing, you know, collaborations, posts. Okay, great. How can I get even help even more people than that? Well, there's academic bodies that have 300 to 500 students. Okay, great. Let me do that as well. So that that's my outlook. How can I help more people, but do it in a way that is, you know, scalable and that the message is clear and it's authentic? Because at any point, if it's not authentic, then, you know, why am I doing this? So for me, the, every step of the way there's been, and I'm sure like many other people in their lives, there's been failures, mistakes, you trip. But if you if you learn from those and then apply the new things you learned in hopes of not making that same failure, that is a good thing. If you're failing just to fail, then that's a different story. So, um, you know, did that. And, you know, like you guys are doctors of physical therapy. That's something I wanted to become. Um, three years in a row, five of the same schools, didn't get into any any of them. So that's 15 letters of, Hey, you didn't get in. Three of them have have paid for me to come back and speak. So I don't know if that's coming full circle or whatever yeah, it may be. Yeah, but that's a win. It just wasn't. Sure. Yeah, we're stacking win. wins over here, right? <laughs> so you know, it just wasn't. You know, maybe it wasn't for me. But I've had the the fortunate opportunity to work in a lot of clinical settings, rehab settings, sports physical therapy settings. So working alongside clinicians and physical therapists and physios like yourself, and really trying to take the movement lens within my scope as a strength coach, performance coach, and utilize that and knowing when to say, you know what, I got to pump, shouldn't clap maybe, <laughs> I, I got to know when to pump the ball because, you know, this is an injury, this is out of my scope where you need some orthopedic lens. Hey, I got a great friend who does that, you know, Chad does that, Nick does that, so on and so forth. And that, to me, that's the whole thing, team, 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 so team. How can we win so you can win? So um, that's kind of where, you know, the path I've taken and I think, you know, look at the current scenario now where, you know, things happen that aren't always ideal in life and you just have to make it work and figure it out. And to me, it's, if I'm not in a high pressure situation having to problem solve, then I'm not, I'm not going to enjoy it. I, I, like you guys, like problem solving is like, oh man, like I, I'm thirsty for that. That's something I enjoy doing. So again, if it were easy, I don't want any part of that. Totally. So if you were looking at a younger version of yourself, right, that's contemplating these same decisions, I don't know, I want to be a strength coach or I don't know, I want to go to PT school or whatever. Um, is there some advice that you would give to them to help them make that decision clearer? I would say be be okay with being uncomfortable more often and more frequently than you were. Because, you know, taking a risk, taking a shot, taking a chance, while you if you don't believe in yourself, not a good idea. Taking a shot, taking a risk, taking a chance when you have full conviction in your ability to do something is a completely different ballgame. And so for me, you know, I wasn't a risk taker earlier on. I, you know, I think for the past four or five years, I've developed a more of a thick skin, being okay with failing. And so I think you kind of come into your own. I look at myself as a late bloomer, right? I'll be 33 in January. I'm, no, I'm not too young, I'm not too old. I'm kind of in the middle, right? Um, I can still lift weights and run and sprint and hopefully look and feel athletic. But um, I would say just be more of a risk taker still do still be calculated because i don't know like you guys i try to calculate think things through thorough sure, thought processes sure. right but take risks take chances and and you know continue to be thorough and do your homework but don't be afraid just put yourself out there more i know earlier on you probably don't believe this but in high school right i was known as the sweater right you're in the front of the classroom world Dude, history class everything that you were right? talking about right world now. history he did i'm with you man he looked i'm with you wikipedia <laughs> Right, you go look at Nick's pits right now, dude. Yeah, yeah. Just look at his pits right well, now. You go to the front, oh, of, go to the front of room, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Yep. You're sweating, right? Public speaking was not something I enjoyed. Sure. Now I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I, I, you know, I've been fortunate that I've spoken in front of hundreds, spoken in front of ten. Like, it's I enjoy it. I love engaging. I love interacting because I feed off of that energy. So it's, sure. I think you have to expose yourself to different scenarios where you don't, you don't even know maybe skill sets lie, and so. That's kind of a roundabout way of, 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 of you know, answering your question. Right? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Now I can resonate with you on the, uh, the, this, you know, sweating and being scared of the public speaking. Cause I was the same way growing up and then, you know, not to the, to the same extent you have, um, so far, but you know, through college and things like that, I was a, one of the better students. So they would ask me to speak at things. And I'd be like, I really don't want to, but I probably should. It's the right thing to do to gain the experience to do all that kind of stuff. So, and it is, it, you are super uncomfortable, you're scared before, and then you do it, and you feel great for it. And I was just thinking about when you were talking about the whole learn from your mistakes, but then apply it. it the, the parallels there obviously are, are, are crazy, but even from a rehab perspective, like we have a lot of people that, 
come in, they're they're in pain, right? And they're they're in a situation where, oh, I can't do that. It hurt last time I did that. Well, have you tried again or have you modified in any way? No, no, no. I just don't do it anymore. It's like and the, the parallels right there. It's we do the same thing with our movement all the time, especially nowadays where it's like, ooh, that hurts. Probably shouldn't do that anymore. You know, and then we just stop. So we haven't learned from the mistake and, and just applied it. We just kind of learned and maybe even learned the wrong information, but we learned something and just left it as is. We didn't actually get up and now try it differently or try try it again later on. So I was just th- thinking about that as you were talking about that, which is, um, you know, an interesting parallel to draw for sure. Um, so where was I going to go with that? Um, oh, speaking of parallels. So you did the uh, the workshop on deceleration here a few months ago. And, you know, it was, it was, it was awesome, fantastic information. Uh, we have a lot of PTs, rehab professionals that apply this. They might be listening and be like, ah, well, you know, I get it. But at the same time, I'm not seeing people in that, that kind of deceleration situation. They're back with their strength coach, whatever, at that point, what kind of advice would you give those people that might be seeing, you know, the, the patients and clients acutely where deceleration might not apply quite yet but you can still start to sprinkle that in just so they're not blindsided. Those athletes aren't blindsided by the time they get there, or even everyday people that need deceleration on, on planet Earth. Yeah, I think the, the, the building blocks for me are, you know, n- nailing isometrics and eccentrics. There's a lot of good literature that talks about the relationship between eccentric control, eccentric forces, and deceleration. That's kind of like marriage, right? They're, they're, they're there. But I think if you even look before that, like body awareness, right, you know, uh, spa- uh, kinesthetic awareness, understanding where your body is in space, loading the tendons, like isometrics are really good, like HSR, right, heavy, slow resistance. Build attention, build awareness in the tendons, specifically patella and quad tendon and Achilles tendon, two of the more, you know, Use tendons yeah. in the lower body. Yeah. Obviously, proximal hamstring tendon comes with the parties most of the time, but it's the lesser talked about one. So for me, is building strength in isometric positions, especially for those you know we talk those lower five body regions, mm-hmm. so the ankle region, right, calf, soleus, Achilles, the posterior tibialis is there as well. <laughs> I, I got called out on science for sport for not talking about the posterior tibialis. <laughs> the posterior tibialis is, is one of the major ones. Anterior tibialis, obviously, a good friend of mine. Um, you know, the knee region, right? We have the patella tendon, quad tendon, the quad muscles, et cetera, et cetera. We have the hamstring region, all of those cool muscles. You have the the groin or adductor region and, and as well as the hip flexor region. So targeting those muscles, you can do body weight, low weights, low, low loads, isometrics, and then build up that awareness, build up that strength, and then add in some of those time under tension or king tut, right, eccentrics. Mm-hmm. And then from there, and those are just exercises and, and, and movements. Those, we're, not, we're not talking about plyometrics yet, right? And then when you talk about plyometrics, jumping, landing, force absorption, then you talk about uh, speed, acceleration, deceleration, then you can start getting into some of those avenues. And that's a great conversation to talk with the strength coach if you're a physio saying, hey, great, look, we help this athlete build the building blocks. Their knees, ankles, hips, hammies, and groins are really strong. We've done Copenhagen planks. We've done Nordic variations. We've done, you know, uh, sissy squats or nailers. We've done uh, reverse Nordics. We've done some seated and standing heel raises because, we know, soleus and gas are so important. Soleus, right, reigns supreme, like, you know, physiologic cross-sectional area, like load that sucker, it produces forces. We need that. So getting those, those, guys and gals really strong, you can say, hey, we've done all this stuff, right? Now you're going to have an awesome job loading them up and XL, cell, have a ball. The Santos will say, like, hell yeah, let's go. Thanks so much. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah. And so that's a, a handoff, like a handing of the baton, if you will. And so um, I can talk about deceleration forever. <laughs> um, I, I'm So next Thursday, Perform Better is doing um, uh, some sort of online web, Zoom webinar series. I don't know why, but they allow me to be on the same panel as Mike Boyle, Lee Taft, and Todd Wright. Right, so Todd Wright, '76, has been there for years. Lee Taft, the speed guy, and Mike Boyle. Well, Mike Boyle. And so we're talking about speed and acceleration. And so obviously, my 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 input and my outlook is going to be okay. How are we tying in the D cell components to enhance rate of force development, to enhance speed and acceleration, to enhance you know, talk about VBT, velocity-based training. How do we do that to enhance that? And to me, they kind of go hand in hand, right? What goes up must come down, like jumping Absolutely. in. You know, you can be really fast like Mendoza, but if you don't have the brakes to slow that car down, it's kind of useless. You're going to get an accident. So I'm um, tying those pieces together. You know, Mendoza's my, that guy from the Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks, Everybody yeah. <laughs> he, also got, he also got the, the hot girl in yeah, there. He did. So good He's the guy that, that hit all the cans. He couldn't the stop. Cans. He hit all the cans. Yes. Exactly. So for me, you know, I think 
when I talk about deceleration or when I emphasize it, and I emphasize you know, talking about calf muscles, right? I know it's kind of like, oh, okay, Matt, like you've, beat, you've beaten the drum. Like we get it. But the reason why is because I don't think we're focusing on these things enough in the entire athletic development model. We like sure. speed, right? Speed is sexy. Power is sexy. Force production is sexy. Pliers are sexy. Lifting weight is sexy. That's awesome. These things are going to help you become more awesome in those areas. Yeah. And that's just kind of my outlook. And I, I like that too, because draw another parallel. You were just talking about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Isometrics, eccentrics, that's all uncomfortable, right? So that you got to, early on in the rehab process, you got to start to develop that resiliency against discomfort or else we're going to have some, some, some roadblocks later on for sure. But it's, it's so true because if you look at something like the foot, right? You just talk about posterior tibialis. The majority of the muscles around the foot create supination, which is how we we push off. But in order to load those tissues, we have to go the other way, right? We have to lengthen them. And that's where we are decelerating, right? We're loading into the tissues and then boom, exploding right out of it. So you need, you have to slow down in order to speed up literally, right? So it's, it's super important. I think you're right. I mean, you can see it in the strength and conditioning world that, that the other stuff, like you said, is sexy. It's, it's, it's much cooler looking. Um, but it's same thing in the rehab world. Like we're not, we're putting you know, all our eggs in, in some of the other baskets and people aren't addressing it. And then we're getting all these high, in, you know, you know, higher injury recurrences and it's multifactorial, right? It's not one thing, but could we be doing better? Absolutely. Yeah. I think Absolutely. we're, um, I could blame this on social media all day long, but I think we're trying to get cute. You know what I mean? We're oh, trying to, sure. we're trying to get creative. We're trying to invent our new ex own exercises and uh, we forget the foundations and the basics, you know, and I, it's, it's un, unreal how many people want to get spotted for doing a really, really cool exercise, but it makes no sense. And, and if anything, you're promoting injury, you're not, you know, helping it. So, yeah, for sure. And, and it, another part of it too is sometimes like we were all talking about before you got to walk the walk, some of these uh, more so on the PT side, some of these clinicians can't show it appropriately right like they can't show the deceleration exercise appropriately and that's a problem too so you know we we appeal to people listening all the time that might be clinicians out there that you know you got to practice this stuff yourself at least to some extent you, at least, even if you can only do one rep good that's fine you know but you got to try this stuff yourself practice it because you need to be able to decelerate your body if you're even if you're not playing any sports but also you got to be able to show people that like it's it's if you're not doing an exercise because you can't show them or you're not capable of doing it, that's a problem. You Big know? problem. Ke Kevin Carr from Boyles talks about this a lot. Like, you know, your ability to, to coach something, to actively coach something and demonstrate like a demo is pivotal. Right? Imagine, if you will, right, you had no ability to talk. Like you were stripped of your ability to speak. If I can show you what to do and you can mimic it, that's incredible. Totally. Right? It's really difficult. Let's say you were stripped of your ability to co demo something. Let's say you were immobile for whatever reason, maybe. I'm not wishing this on you. I'm just a hypothetical scenario. And you try to talk to someone through it. Hey, put your... In, in, oh, shit, I'm frustrated. Like, it's yeah, really difficult yeah. to verbalize things. And so what I've learned, and I don't care how wide your coaching two belt is, the best, in some of the best coaching scenarios, less is so much more in terms of verbal. Totally. Show right? Show me. Like I saw a stat, 65% uh, of adults are visual learners. So like think of like two thirds of the population, are, they, they have to see things. Me, I need to see it. Like, I don't, don't even tell me, like, don't even show, like, just, just show, just show me what you're doing. Don't talk about it. Let me show. I got you. No problem. Like, that's just, I, I'm very visual. And the ability to be able to show them what they're doing wrong and then show them how to do it right yeah. is even harder. Because yeah. sometimes to show it's an so exercise correctly is really hard. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And that, that movement variability is crucial for you being able to show them, but then even them being able to have a spectrum of movement. So now they can, you know, decrease their injury risk in the future because if they only have two movement options, that's not, you don't have good odds going forward. So you can maximize that by just increasing your variability for sure. For sure. This is the conversation of like multi-planar, like understanding the importance of all planes of motion. I know you're probably, oh, he's going to talk about front to plane, lateral squat, lateral Dude, lunges. I, like We talk about all planes all the time. And that's our yeah. Channel. Yeah, it's it, it. it's important because most people, like the average human being is they just live in the sagittal plane for sure which a uh, great that's awesome like you're going to be great at squatting deadlifting like bent like awesome yeah. but you know you want to get side to side you want to get front to plane you want to get multi-directional transverse plane you want to be able to rotate twist you want to do all these things because shit's going to happen in life 
where you're not in a gym and it's not a control, it's uncontrolled environment, aka like the majority of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you fall off the curb, you have to check yourself. Like things are going sure. to happen, and so yeah, you have to do injuries that. ever happen only in the sagittal plane? I I don't think I've ever seen that. It's it's usually in <laughs> well, the except other. except that video that oh, was floating yeah. around. Did you see that, that video? video that was floating around? Uh, he was trying media. to do the sissy squat, but it was oh, what was he doing? That was it was, he was he was loading it. Yeah, and he was and he wasn't even like. like it, yeah, his angle was not very Wait, good either. Yeah, not great. But then his ACL just popped, popped, and then he fell to the ground. That was that was pretty. I mean, there's other, there's always three planes involved in everything, but that was pretty strictly sagittal. <laughs> I mean, I know you can make a case for everything, yeah. but I think sagittal definitely. There's some, there's, there's rare occurrences. <laughs> all right. I mean, you, you look at it, and I, I mean, you feel bad, obviously, yeah. for an injury. But maybe he shouldn't have been loading that for sure it, it, at all. Yeah, we also don't know the background. Yeah, yeah, we don't know if that was his first time. He saw someone else do it, and sure, that's his first that's time. True. And that's, that's social true. media don't know his injury history. It, in a nutshell, yeah. like you're getting a snippet, right? Yes. And so, but still, maybe you shouldn't have loaded that. But yeah, no, no. And now I, that, I hope he does okay. I hope, I hope he recovers for sure. Yeah, and now that company that makes ACL, the sure. the sissy yeah. squat, you know. Um, you know, little little machine there, and now they're gonna be hurting because no one's gonna buy those for a while. So yeah, because sissy squats are bad for your knees now. You'll see, it's gonna come out. Well, this is the conversation of the whole overrated, underrated. And Carissa hopped in on my overrated, underrated uh, Instagram story the other day about oh, Spanish squats. Oh yes, right. And so there's 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 some talk of that in the literature. They, I think they call it like a strap, like a Russian strap squat, which is a little bit different. Right, it's gotcha. a, it's yeah. not as vertical angle of the shin tibia yeah. fibula, but um, you know these are these vitamin or health exercises, mm-hmm. right? Direct isolated work where you're getting just quad or you're getting just hammy via north, or you're getting predominant, not just yes. uh, groin via Copenhagen, or you're getting you know just uh, gastroc via standing heel raises or soles via seat. Like you're trying to isolate these tissues. And this is where I always think about, okay, think of a bodybuilder, right? What is their main thing? Hypertrophy for the most part, right? And people for years have said, well, you know, poo-poo on that. Well, think about it, right? Bodybuilders are excellent at doing what? Building muscle and building robustness. Don't you want to build muscle to some extent, (laughs) right? You want to be able to, to be, air quotes, functional functional at some point, but you have to build, you have to have all these building blocks in place, the constituent parts of the puzzle to then put the puzzle together, right? And so these these health exercises, vitamin exercises that we talked about, the isometrics, eccentric loading, you do a good job of it, then say, hey, yo, strength coach, if you're a physio, I've done all these. Now go XL, DCL with the athlete. This is this is like this is where I love to live. This is the best place because you can help them build robustness, not only physical but mental fortitude too. Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so you are a huge proponent of walking daily, how, even even as a meathead. So yep, how did yep. you how did you get into doing that? When did it start? Why all that kind of stuff? So I think inherently we all just like we generally know the the benefits of walking cardiovascular health like vitamin d you get sun as males right we have lower vitamin d right especially in new england when it's colder and darker more more times of the year so i knew i you know you always kind of know you're like yeah sure i'll walk to the car um you know or you know grocery bag carrying in a farmer carrying them in it's gonna be coming to walk you know uh admittedly and i'm I, you know i think like anyone during the pandemic you know you pre- kind of ate is whatever you thought you could eat. And you're like, ah, oh, it's not going to count. These aren't, these are like fake calories. Yeah. This isn't real. This isn't real. It's not real. Honestly, when I was like, life's not real right now. This is totally <laughs> cool. Yeah. We're going to rewind. It's going to be great. Yeah. So I put on like 10, 15 pounds. So I ballooned. I got up to like 220 and I like to sit around 200. And there was that piece. And it was kind of like, all right, Matt, like, you kind of have to do something right now. Like lifting weights is cool. But you've done it for 20 years, but like you need to do something else. Right. And so, uh, prior to that, and you talked about doing some stuff to relate to your clients and athletes, I had been preparing for the Boston Marathon. I know, believe it or not, I did a 17-mile run. Um, <laughs> my friend Sarah had dragged me. It wasn't really a run. Um, but anyways, you know, cardio has not, not been something I've always really enjoyed. You know, I don't mind high-intensity intervals, you know, sprints. I love sprints, athletic stuff, files. But, like, cardio to me is kind of, like, mundane. But... So I said, well, walking's kind of cool. And then my coach, Greg Robbins, who's a huge, huge proponent, huge fan of weight vest walks. And so if anyone knows Greg, he is kind of one of those guys who, you know, he walks the walk. 
and then talks the talk. You know, he backs the blank up. He really does that. And so I had seen him have some really great success himself individually. I said, wow, like, let me give this a shot. So I had started with 220, so 40 pounds weight vest. And I, I would carry two fives around the neighborhood where I live, where there's a police station literally next door to me during the pandemic. Not a good idea, right? Not a good idea. <laughs> Couldn't breathe, right? So I was like, you know what? Like maybe I should just do 20 pounds. And so at this point in my in my in my walking career, I'm up to like <laughs> think of a uh, neat, right? Non-exercise activity yeah, thermoregulation, yeah. right? The shit you're doing when you don't really think about a routine. Greg talks about or, or the the restructure, okay, 3.5 to four hours a week of, of that. So I live four days a week, and then I try to get in a minimum of four total. So today I got in 30, right? I had to get in before the show, and you're gonna talk about it. And that's it, fun for me. I enjoy it. I get to see the nature, uh, you know, birds chirping, right? The, I get my Starbucks coffee. Don't worry. It's just a black cold brew with a shot of espresso. I don't get anything else. Oh, I love that. Yeah, just, I get, love that. just the coffee. And, you know, today was a 30. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm not routine, am I? Are 30-minute bangers. And then Wednesday, Saturdays, a guaranteed one hour. Sundays, like whatever Alyssa wants to do, we do. She wants to go for a long walk, short walk, whatever. Yes. I don't put the best on on Sundays. Sunday's the bestless. Best <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I try to get four hours of a vest walk minimum each week and then whatever extra is like icing on the cake and i think you get a lot like think of decompression think of uh mental health mental wellness uh, stress anxiety um think of just kind of getting in touch with your thoughts right and just kind of oh you hear the birds sure I, I joke around but you're getting to different scenery right you blaze different neural paths you're just learning different things you're walking you're not learning but it's just you know and also it's nice because you can build up some of those those foot muscles, yeah. the lower limb muscles. Absolutely. It's just walking and think of think of ground reaction forces are really, really low. So it's just a nice way to get some extra miles in. I don't do it for like the weight loss component, although I, I do think wearing a vest probably helps in that regard. For me, it's more of a decompression thing. So Yeah, for sure. We did that as a uh as a group not too well, just last week we actually did. We went out for a walk and uh it's something that Nick's been doing over the last yeah, couple I've been, weeks. Yeah, I've been trying to get into it every day because I normally would um, do – so from the spring through the summer, I was doing car- some form of cardio at least five days a week, and then I was lifting five days a week. Wow. And sometimes it would be um, like yeah. cardio seven and lifting five. Yeah, so I was doing too much. For sure. He didn't see it at first. So, I had to tell him, I was like, Nick, I think you're overreaching, bro. Yeah, Everything. no. no and, he, and, it, and it sunk in for like two hours. I had the goes, blinders on. Chad, do you think I'm really overreaching? I'm like, bro, yes. <laughs> I had the blinders on. <laughs> he took that Thursday off. He went home. <laughs> I had the blinders on. I didn't even take it fully off. I went for a walk. And it felt great. So I was like, man, I should do more of this. And um, and not to say I wasn't walking. I, I mean, uh, Alicia and I, my wife and I, we, we walk on the beach. We live right near the beach. So we walk on the beach all the time. You know, so, but normally it's at least like, oh, you want to go for a walk? Oh, yeah, sure. And that's on top of I already did cardio and lifting now. So I was like, you know what? If I'm not going to work, work out or I'm going to shorten my workout, I need to get out of the clinic. Cause I mean, look at this place. We're sitting in a rack doing a podcast right now. So every time I'd be in here, our break, we closed down from 12 to 2. I'd have two hours. I had the, you know, internal desire to try to use all two hours to, to the best of my ability and try to, gain as much fitness as possible right, right. now yeah right and um so now i've just been trying to get out of the clinic for 30 minutes go for a walk and then uh yeah it's been it's been nice so just trying to trying to up the the walking i think before i was probably getting you know eight to ten thousand steps a day now it's like 13 to 15 which still eh, i probably don't need that many but it's nice. That's a lot. That's yeah. good. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I but I'm, uh, we're constantly moving in here too. I, I mean, I do these stairs like yeah. <laughs> probably fifteen. No, I mean more than that. Yeah. So I, and then upstairs training people just like up and down the turf. You don't realize. Yeah. Like, and then oh, I did that many. Yeah. What? We got the balance beams here, so I'm always like playing on that. Even when I have clients, like I'll be barefoot and they'll just be doing something. And while I'm like talking to them, I'll be walking on the beam. So my arms are moving. So the pedometer. Yeah, and you're, you're doing swings it. throughout the day. So I bet you that you're. Well, that's, your that's my thing. That I do a hundred swings a day, hundred kettlebell swings a day. Okay. That's just my thing. And it's straight. So it's unbroken, but it's not the same weight every day. Sometimes I'll use a 53. So it's lighter and I'm just, you know, repping them out fast every day. Every day. Every day. And then, um, the one day, at least one day a week, I try to use the 124 for hundred straight. And that's just grip, grip strength, 
you know, get and those, I will say, get his those grip strength is, is mighty. We do so we do a uh, a carry, a load of carry every week. One day call, we call it the barbarian. We call it the barbarian walk, and uh, we we've got it to the point where we are doing trap bar carries at our our body weight. Pretty much, so yeah, it's, it's, it's close. Two twenty five. It's it, close. You got to do ten deadlifts right into a farmer's carry yep. until failure, and then your partner jumps in. They do ten deadlifts. They go to failure. Once your partner fails, you got to jump back in. It's about 80 yards or so. And we, yeah, we pretty much go back. laps out in the parking lot. So, yeah, it's probably, probably right around that. And, and Nick will get back. And He'll get about two laps in. Yeah. And I get about a lap and a quarter. And I'm like, damn, how did you hold that thing? And I wait for Swings, baby. <laughs> swings. Swings every day. If you want yeah. to get your grip strength up, swings every day, people. It's, it's, it's the fountain of youth. Yeah. You're going to live to like 150. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just my thing. And honestly, it takes me all two and a half minutes. So... I just and if it's sometimes it's it's the worst. It'll be like I get a, I'll get out of here at seven. It'll be like six fifty. I'll be like, crap. I didn't do my swings. And I gotta get them in. Gotta it's only a few minutes. In. Yeah, it's only either. a few minutes. Yeah. But six fifty, you're like, oh, yeah. I don't. Just, I could just leave early. But you gotta, gotta do. Them. Gotta well, that that's done. the whole thing with like discipline and building character. It's like, well, if you said you're going to do the thing, yeah. you should probably do the thing yeah. because you told the person that you're going to do. The thing I try to make things really simple and straightforward. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the last tidbit on walking, I love it so much that you know a lot of my clients who and any, anytime you hear weight loss, you're like, because ah! <laughs> it's the easiest entry point for cardiovascular work. I'm not look. I'm not sitting here saying I'm not comparing walking to jogging, running, or sprinting. I'm not. They're different animals. But you know, you crawl, then you walk, then you you know yeah. any kind of built yeah. up ladder. So. A few of my clients, I'm like, yeah, you should get a 20-pound weight vest, like let it rip, and I'll program in on True Coach for their online and in-home, you know, workouts. Walk for X amount of minutes at this pace. Find a hill or don't find a hill. You know, what type of tempo or pace? I'm late for lunch pace, right? Because you know the I'm late yeah, for nice. lunch pace, yeah, right? I, like that. yeah, yeah, I got yeah. that from Greg as well. That's not like an original. That. Um, and so I got my my brother got one. I got my my uh, my father-in-law one. Like I'm big on just hey. Just, it's a starting point. Like, just start here, and then you can go from there if you like. Plus, having a weight vest around is never a bad idea. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. it's not. No, that's awesome. I like that. I like that a lot. There was something else in there too that you had said that I wanted to comment on, but I can't remember. Well, I mean, since we were you, talking you can, about you cardio, did you want to segue into? Yeah, we can. Your, we can do question? this. We, we've been trying. We've been asking. Nick's been asking every person, that every we've had guest. On the show. We just. I mean, it, we we kind of know what your answer mm-hmm. because everyone in the field, their answer is pretty similar, but. We just want to hear your perspective on it because we had this. It's funny because we always talk, we we call it a debate that Chad and I have, but it's not a debate because we end at the same point. We just take different roads to get there. But it's the will cardio hurt your muscle gains question. What's your enlighten us? Yeah. So the the this is interesting, right? And so when I was when I was preparing for the Boston Marathon, I want everyone to know who's listening. I'm not a runner. I, I'm not <laughs> someone you'd say, "Wow, that guy looks like he's a runner." That's not you know. But you know, anecdotally, from October 2019 to April 2020, I didn't run. I didn't actually run it because I think you had to like film yourself or like record your time because you weren't allowed to do it because the whole thing and i was like you know what i've raised the money it was a fundraiser i was like i've raised plenty of money i'm happy i did that but i like, ran 17 miles ran 17, so it's like good. i'm good like, we're good I'm over half <laughs> that is 17 more than i'll ever run in my lifetime and i'm like i could have had a pizza and french fries and watch a movie in this time but anyways so for me at the time i was only lifting like full body uh strength and conditioning strength training twice a week while running i think it was uh, three small run, no, two small runs each week, like three to five, or three to six, or four to six, and then on on the Saturday sun was a big, like a monster run, like anywhere from depending where you were on the prep, from like six to fifteen miles, right? And so obviously the closer I got, the more mileage. So everybody listened to what he said there. He was training for a marathon, but he was still lifting. All our runners. Listen to that. He was still lifting. You can still lift and run. Okay. Running yeah, back to you. is no, no, no. This is good. This is. I'm yeah. glad because I'm going to yeah. segue and go right back. So I'm going to take a, a, a take off a the road and yeah. take a detour. Running is a form of a plyometric. Totally. Mm. Right? You're always on mm-hmm. one foot. Yeah. You never run two feet. Yeah. Right. And so it is. It is indeed athletic, but it's 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 like a jump rope. It is plyometric. It is extensive. It is low low amplitude, but it is a plyometric. Right, rate of force development, joint reaction forces. You need to be strong to absorb. 
that those forces. So again, we talk about calves coming to play, knees. You're like, you're like, Matt, stop talking about calves. <laughs> I can't help it. So these things come into play. You need to be, you need to be relatively strong. And so we had been working with a lot of the endurance population at this time. So this was, I mean, this allowed, this opened my eyes to this these uh, opportunities. But um, running. So the question was, okay, does running take away or degrade your strength or vice versa? Or, or, hey, you can you can talk about both. Both, right? Yeah. So. Lifting weights absolutely makes you better at running because running economy, running efficiency, For turnover sure. rate, right? For the sure. whole running economic thing. I'm not saying it's going to make you a world-class runner, but you'll be able to say, wow, like I actually feel more put together, more my form is a little bit, my technique is better, my turnover rate, my knees feel healthy, so on and so forth. I think strength training, and there's a lot of good research on this that it shows that it does. I mean, Resistance training or RT, right, in the research or, or strength training is one of those things where it's it's one of the only hammers you can swing that has a direct impact positively in so many areas, flexibility, endurance, mobility, so on and so forth. The flip side of the coin, think of the individual who just runs four, five, six days a week and doesn't lift any weights whatsoever. You're chronically going to have some form of lower body injuries because you're only loading the tissue and the tendons and the structures and the joints and the bones, right? More mineral density, right? In one way. You're not building up that durability. And so if I'm going to plan to be a really high volume runner, I want to lift at some point. I, I don't think I answered your question directly though. No, that's okay. That was great though, because it's so true. I would say that major. well, I don't want to say the majority because we see, you know, the whole lifespan, but the majority of our runners are runners that are in here that don't have the strength training in the background or if they do they're like oh no i took a break from it for now to increase my running and like i don't want you to do that i want you to gradually ramp up your running while you're still doing the strength training maybe ta tailor it back a little bit but still need to keep doing it so i would say a majority of the people we see in a rehab context when they're runners by by trade are ones that either don't have the strength training background or they just stopped it abruptly or significantly decreased it to the point where running was just outweighing it so much that now they got themselves into a little bit of a pinch. Mm -hmm. Think of, think of, I look at running like, okay, running is the vehicle that sweet, right? What type of, what type of truck is that out there? Oh, that's a gladiator. Jeep gladiator. Okay. You got a sweet white Jeep gladiator with some nice red and black stickers and the pro form license plate, right? Running is the vehicle. Strength training is the gasoline. It's not going to run unless you have strength training in your repertoire, yes, yes, right? And so you can you take a picture of that. It could be a logo if you'd like it to. But <laughs> you can you can you can try to drive the you can play with the wheel. But you're not going to go in unless you strength train to so that you can accept that load. It's really important. This is this gets into the whole topic of force absorption. This is why this is why I get so jazzed up about this because I'm like, guys, we can be awesome in all these areas if you just do the thing. The thing is lifting weights. The thing is landing. So on and so forth. So, yeah, and I, I think it it kind of gets confusing for people too because i think people look at running as a form of strength training you know and i i don't know if that's like something that they were either told or they just assume that that's they're they're strengthening as they're running so that they kind of tell themselves they're working out even though they're they're running right so they, they don't it's our job to make them know that that's not correct <laughs> this is why I like look at research right and i'm in a phd program and i'm not that research guy but i always bring it up so maybe i'm i don't know anyways I think if we if we bring back the word resistance training, I know it's kind of like you just say strength, but like, yeah. well, if I say resistance training, you know inherently you have to have some sort of resistance. Yeah, that's a good yes. point. Yes. Right? Body weight, sure. But in the context of a runner, hey, you need to have a band. You need to have a mini band, a TRX. You need to have a, a kettlebell, a barbell, a dumbbell, a plate, a medicine ball, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, there needs to be external resistance that loads my body so I can adapt physiologically to that load for the stressors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Like that's kind of you know, like it changes the uh, the whole uh, verbiage of the activity. It yeah. does. It does. And it, I think a lot of people too pick up running because they they think oh it's burning more calories than than resistance training. But if you resistance train, you put on more muscle, and now the muscle requires more calories. <laughs> so it's you're still doing it in a roundabout way. It's just people have a hard time kind of grasping that because they're like oh if I go run, I'm going to burn twice as many calories. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, that's true. Or twice as many calories in half the time. But you still might be losing muscle in that. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, topic for sure. But, yeah, we just always like to ask that question. Um, you want to talk about the best bang for your buck? That was yeah, a fun that one. that was a good time. one. I, I, I right. want to hear what Matt's answer is going to be right. to this one. 
we'll do best bang for your buck first and then we'll do favorite. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. So what is your, and it can be anything, best bang for your buck exercise, whether it's for you, clients, anybody, but best, best bang for your buck across the board, going to, going to check off the most boxes and, and you, you love it. So I think if, if you're someone who you want, well, I'm going to be simple deadlift. And the reason I think this is because I was going to say, that's Turkish, what the last, I was, was going to say, said. well, I was going to say Turkish get up. That's a good one. That's a really good one. The reason I didn't is because I don't think there's that much of a learning curve. Like there is in, let's say, um, Olympic weightlifting, like, no, no, no. But there's still a little bit of like, okay, think of like for ten, sure, tensegrity or tension or law of radiation. Okay. Where do I want to feel this? You, you might get away with half Turkish get up for fourth, but it's like, I'm going to do a full trick together. I want to make sure that they're competent in it. That's not an easy one. Not an easy one, right? Like usually you coach at, at the Strong Force Gyro course, they taught, they taught with fist up and you have the shoe on your hand. Don't drop the shoe. Yeah. You yes. know, you ask it easy. No, it's not that easy. <laughs> so, not to me, it's a deadlift. And I say this, let me, let, me, let me peel a couple layers back, please. So deadlift, we think, oh, barbell conventional or barbell sumo. Yeah, like awesome sauce. I love it. Like let's do it. Great. This thing called the trap bar. There's a thing called a really heavy kettlebell. And there's a thing called dumbbells you can hold vertically. When you train people in their homes, you have to be really creative with the yeah, shit you come up sure. with, right? And maybe you add a band for resistance around their foot. Be in the oh, he's getting these percolating his ideas are going, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have these three kettlebells at my disposal, but like, you know. So I, uh, same thing with goblet squats. Well, I've already hit the 40-pounder. Yeah, you know they make dumbbells up to like a buck. Like you can keep going. <laughs> so a kettlebell, especially the ones that, so there's circus kettlebells that are all the same diameter and shape. Then there's the ones that I, I appreciate much better. Yeah. They're like kind of the Russian version where they, the bigger, the, the more weight, the bigger they get, right? That, at one point, at one point, that kettlebell is kind of the same depth as that as you would go for a trap bar deadlift. So learning tension there, right? Active foot pressing to the ground, pushing the floor away from you, hip extension, right? Trunk strength, lat stiffness. I mean, we're getting all these beautiful qualities. Then I can really understand, okay, I'm going to use those qualities in other lifts as well. So to me, it's the purest form of a deadlift, not just a barbell, conventional sumo, trap bar, kettlebell, dumbbell deadlift, just understanding where I want to be to create force. Because you think of the power position, right? IMTP, right? Isometric mid-thigh pull. One of the greatest tests to show, all right, what's this power profile of this athlete? They're in that kind of hip hinge deadlift position. And then someone will argue and say, well, a trap bar or a kettlebell or dumbbell deadlift is kind of squatty. Yeah, I know on the hip hinge continuum, <laughs> I get it. Relax, okay? But I'm talking about the name of the exercise. Like, the, the, there's That's exactly the, what we said on the yeah, line. There, there's, been, there's been a conversation lately with like, well, skater squats are always known as knee dom. I think Mike brought, Mike Boyle uh, brought this up. And it's a phenomenal conversation to have. Well, his outlook is, well, it's actually more hip dom. And what I'll say is, I, I firmly believe you can really make any lower body exercise more hip or more yeah, knee dominant. For sure. Um, you guys know Zach Gabor, right? Boston PT Wellness. When we teach the hip hinge, uh, hip hinge one-on-one workshop, he talked about, take a dimmer and a light switch, right? Sure. Knee dom, yeah, hip dom, right? Absolutely. And then Greg Knuckles has that beautiful chart, the hip hinge continuum chart. And it shows, okay, the most hingy. A bar, maybe a good morning, or the least hingy, which is the most squatty, like yep. a pure yep. uh, barbell back or front squat because it's interior loaded. So it's just kind of, you know, where do you want to go with that? But for me, it's a deadlift. I love it. And actually, you've said at the beginning that the last person said that, but Jackson actually said deadlift was his favorite. His oh. best bang was split squat. That's right. I just that's thought right. That's that. right. That's right. Yeah. You did say that. That's right. But yeah. Oh, no. wait a second. Because split squat's very. Wait. My favorite's deadlift. That's I apologize. Oh, you're I just, both? Well, is my, it both? Well, my What's... favorite's deadlift is bang for your buck. I have, I have a unique answer for you, and I apologize. Oh, I like this. A unique answer. Twist. So, twist. Over the, so favorite X and I deadlift. Over the years, I've always had this affinity for the single leg, one, single leg RDL or one leg RDL, whatever you want to call it, right? I love it. I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's just, it gives you so many good qualities. I have come to really appreciate the value of a split squat. And I know why well, I've seen the snooping of the last guy. Here's why I've, I've appreciated it. I'm thinking like split squat, you can go flat ground, you can go 50, riffy or biffy, right? Front foot elevated, rear foot or both feet elevated. Dude, I'm going to put these two uh, voiceovers right next right to each next other. Right next to each other. It's yeah. like it's the same person. It's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, no, it's good. But think of, 
Think of the front foot, right? We think active foot, we understand knee can go over our toes, like things can happen, it's wonderful. And you're like, yeah, well, that guy on the back is kind of just hanging there. Like we're, we're getting big toe extension of the hallux bone, right? Who has big toe extension inherently? Not many folks who could use it, every foot. Push off when sprinting, running and walking, big toe, right? Really important, jumping and landing, Big toe, all comes back to deceleration. So to me, it's like understanding how to load those is important. And then I think the exercise that everyone hates, similar to bike sprints, which we're doing later, is the rear foot elevator or Bulgarian split squat, right? Think of what you're having to do to complete that task. You hate it, but you know the results are there. That's good. So if I if I had to really narrow down, the rear foot elevator split squat is like the most bang for your buck, but the younger cousin of that is a split squat. I get two answers because I, I wanted to, okay? So we're gonna roll with that. <laughs> you can have you as get, many as you, you get want. two answers. <laughs> I do like the split squat when, um, you know, a lot of PRI guys, um, Connor Harris, um, there, there's a bunch of other ones that that relate the the rear foot elevated to a regular split squat to a front foot elevated as the parts of the gate. Sorry, it'd be the other way because front foot is more like heel strike. You go from a negative shin angle to kind of shin over over the ankle to a split squat. You're going from, you know, shin over the ankle to forward a positive, you know, shin angle and then, you know, so on and moves on to the rear foot elevated. So that is a good way to think about them. Like if someone comes in, it's a great way to think about it in the rehab world because if someone comes in, it's like, oh, this person's having trouble absorbing shock. So, you know, at, at heel strike to, to mid stance, let's work on, you know, the front foot elevated and a regular split squat. Mm-hmm. Someone's having trouble with propulsion. Okay, let's get them in the rear foot elevated position. So it's cool that you can kind of split it up that way. And then, I mean, split squat, now you talk about, you know, a lateral lunge. You could argue that that's a split squat, right? So uh, it is it is definitely a nice universal movement for sure. And uh, it's, a, it's a good one for both rehab and, and, and strength. Conditioning context for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, what does the future for Matt Ibrahim hold? What do you got? You got any cool things coming up, or what? Well, um, I, I, uh, my client this morning told me to start watching Succession on Netflix. I don't know if that counts. Uh, my future. I, uh, That's I got, immediate future. Uh, so, I, yeah, it's immediate, right? I'm going to do the whole lifespan of my future. I, uh, I got into the first episode a few months back, and then we kind of like fizzled out. And they're like, "No, you got to like." Three or four episodes. You got to really, you got to like really invest. I'm like, all right, like get the whole night to my. I'm gonna invest, okay. Um, you know, for me, just teaching. So between now and May, um, my, you know, the, this semester, next semester, I, I'm focused on just, you know, pouring myself from an academic standpoint to teaching at Maryville and teaching at Endicott. Um, you know, and also being a student at P, the PhD, I have about a year and a half left, and just really just becoming better at that, understanding how I can become better as a scholar, right, student, but also understanding how can I take my learning, uh, my teaching style, and make it more academic friendly versus kind of, you know, jumping all over the place, right? And so um, more application and stuff like that, and then still training uh, athletes and clients in homes. So for me, I think the long-term goal is to be a full-time academic professor, teacher, or just professionals, working in a collegiate setting the entire time. I obviously, as you guys know, I love to interact and engage. So I, I'd love to be able to interact with the strength conditioning staff, the training staff, sports medicine staff, the, the exercise science department, somehow find a, a position or a role that allows me to do all of these things because I want to be able to pay it forward to students. In addition, I'll always train folks, athletes, content on the side, whether it's a few here or there. That's something I'll never stop doing. But to me, I'm really dialed in on teaching and educating. And I know that it's in the lens, or at least how I see it as a coach. Yeah, that program is going to be gold if they can have you as a professor and working with their strength and conditioning staff. Yeah, right. <laughs> One can hope. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to add to that, Nick? Was there any questions that we missed? I don't think so. Yeah, I know. Anything else you wanted to add, Matt? Anything you want to say? or? Well, I, you know, I thank you guys for having me. I really do appreciate it. I think, you know, like many of us out there, you know, you've been on podcasts and it's fun. Like yeah. you go on podcasts and, and you're, you're through a screen and, you know, it, you make the best, right? It's fun. Anytime you can be in person and interact with someone, let alone be inside of a gym, let alone be inside inside of a rack, a squat rack that we're actually physically sitting inside right now. And we'll be using it in a few minutes. Yeah, yep. it's just, yeah. exactly. So to me, it's like, I think you get more out of it. I think you kind of, you squeeze more out of it. And so it's, um, you know, it's, I think you guys have me on. I really appreciate it. And anyone who doesn't know these guys, definitely check them out. They do a great job. Uh, physical therapy, rehab, SNC, great staff, super friendly staff. And, um, you know, that's a big thing, like connecting with people, just being kind, 
no rude people in the world, and just really engaging with one another because, you know, we help build each other up. We help build the field up. And the better we can become for the field, the better we can serve our athletes and clients. Absolutely. So. So if, if anybody wanted to find you, how could they find you on Instagram or your website? If probably, they want to pick your brain like you did. Probably on the Instagram. I mean, Slide in the DMs. He'll, yeah, he'll contact you. Yeah, well, he loves the, the DMs. The easiest thing for me is Instagram because, you know, I... I, you know, please slide into my direct message. I'm happy to reply to that. And if there's any, if there are any students listening to this, or, or young up and coming strength coaches or physical therapists, you know, I mean it when I say like you can reach out to me. I would, I look forward to speaking with you. Hopping in a phone call, learning about it. if there's anything I can do to help, like please, it's something I, I thoroughly look forward to. So awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming up, Matt. I know you're not like super close, but you're you're close enough. So we got to do this more often for sure. Um, so after we do this episode, we are actually working out. And I, I saw, and that's, you know, that's the deal when you come on the show, like you have to lift. That's the deal. Like you, you can't earn, just you got to earn rack. your way into you the rack. Earn the rack. That's how we say it. So, um, I saw the, um, schedule for Matt's workout because Nick and I are pretty flexible in our routine right now. We're kind of going through transitions. So transition. we said, Matt, it's on you, man. You tell us what the workout is. So we sent the workout and I saw a one. It was bench press. I'm like, dude, music yeah, to my ears. In. And then Nick goes, did you see the rest of it? And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> so I looked at the end. It's bites. Sprints. I'm like, damn. <laughs> this is so, so I so I'm on a four day split now with so Greg Robbins is my coach uh, out of the Strength House in Worcester. Um, he's he's the creme de la creme, right? He's, he's I love him, but so I'm on a split now where it's I'm no longer actively like doing powerlifting competitions. Not that I was putting up respectful numbers by any means, but it's just you know my focus now is like you know feeling good, moving well, feeling athletic, right? So it's. The Monday is more of a squat focus. Tuesday is more of a bench focus. Thursday is a deadlift focus. And then Friday is more of like a upper body fun accessory, like just whatever you want to do focus. And so there's definitely some arm farm. We're doing some bench pressing at some high volume, low, low percentages, and then we're rounding it out with some bike sprints. So we, awesome. should, we should be it should be a fun time. It's going to be great. I can't wait. So for next episode, we have another guest speaker. This guest speaker is an in-house guest speaker. And uh, I actually asked her today, so <laughs> no pressure. Uh, it's my beautiful wife, Katie Burnham. She is a women's health specialist in the field of physical therapy. She actually works here at Proform. And we wanted to kind of bring her on the show to kind of pick her brain about what women's health um, PT looks like and how women's health PT can help somebody that might need it. You know, who, who might you be, you know, that we can help. So um, we are actually doing a workshop. Well, this is it's tomorrow, the 23rd, but by the time you hear this, it would have already have happened. Um, we are going to stream it on Instagram. So if you want to check it out on Instagram, it's how the pel- so Nick and Katie are teaming up. It's how the pelvic floor and the foot are intimately related. And um, no spoiler alerts, but that big toe, super important. That is important. Yeah. Alex, so. hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Surprised. Yeah. I played around with it. It actually works. Um, so. <laughs> so make sure you check out that, uh, that IGTV. Um, definitely reach out to us if you have any questions about that. Look forward to the next episode. Um, and you guys all know I always finish with the moral of the story. I usually have it before the uh, before the episode, but usually when we have a guest, I don't know where it's going to go, so I do it on the fly. So um, this is the moral of the story for today's episode. You learn more from failure than from your success. If you are listening to this and if you have ever failed, try again. If you fail again, just make sure to fail better. Remember, failure is not the opposite of success. Take it from our guy, Matt. Look at failure as part of your success. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.